We carry on through our day as if everything is just fine. But for many of us, it's merely a mask covering up all the emotion simmering just under the surface. Welcome to Stories from the Heart of Leadership with Shamin Sadiq. In this program, you'll hear from others who face the same adversities in life as the rest of us. But these individuals have redirected their energies to creating extraordinary ideas and concepts. Find out what they are and what's behind the motive. Now, here is your host, Shamin Sadiq. Hello, and welcome to Stories from the Heart of Leadership. It's week three, and our topic today is hope. You know, I was reading the newspaper this morning, and I was just scanning some of the headlines. Here's what I saw. On a global scale, uh, Ukraine on the brink. On a national scale, and this is Canada I'm talking about, the conservative government excludes the opposition from a whole bunch of conversations that might have been important to include them in. On a local level here in my hometown of Toronto, the police have been asked to join a school board meeting because of allegations of bullying. Closer to home, I'd actually like to dedicate this show to my younger son's grade four teacher. She's having a very major surgery today and um, we wished her a temporary farewell last week. She'll be off for the rest of the school year. It's gonna take a long recovery for her. But I have um, so much hope for her in her journey and wish her much strength as she goes forward. On a personal level, the pace has been relentless. Uh, Ever since this calendar year began, it actually feels like it's been nonstop. One of the things that, that I noticed last week was I had to put some really firm boundaries in place in order to to manage and navigate through this new, faster pace. And so my kids, who would never, ever, ever get off their computers, um, and I would give them warnings and ask them multiple times to get off until I was screaming at them to please stop playing Minecraft. I know it's an educational game, but four hours in one day, that's enough. Um, I had to actually take their computers away from them. I had to actually put my foot down and say, no, now I've asked you to turn it off more than once, I'm taking it. The outcome was not pretty. Uh, One screamed off saying, I hate you, mom. The other one tossed a few things on the floor as he stomped down to the basement. But within about 20 minutes, we were back to normal. And the next day when I asked them to turn off their computers, they did. So I guess it worked. I'm finding ways to, to navigate through this busy time. And as I was thinking about the show today and this notion of hope and this also this notion of hopelessness, when I look around at some of the things that I feel like I have no control over, I realized something about this show, Stories from the Heart of Leadership, and that is that it too is something that evolves. It's a story in and of itself. It's not only a series of of conversations that I have, which you get to listen to, uh, and interviews that I do, it's more like it's um, it's got an arc of its own, a storyline that extends over the weeks, week by week. And so here's what I'm noticing about this story now, which I want to share with you, is that when I began, I defined it enough to get started. It was just good enough to get started. I knew that I wanted to have extraordinary humans 
join me on my show and talk about what they were up to. I knew that I wanted to have conversations with people who I cared about. And I knew that I wanted to share with you, listeners, uh, something that would resonate with your own experience, something that would have you say, yeah, me too. I've faced that too. And oh boy, look, there's hope. That person navigated through that. So can I. But what I've realized in only the two short shows that I've done is that what I'm also up to is having an intimate conversation between myself and a person that I love. And I've asked only people that I love to join me on this show, at least for these first 13 weeks. Um, I want to really be in a deeper conversation with the people who join me here. And I want you, my listeners, our listeners, to hear that deeper conversation and engage in it in whatever way you feel is best for you. You might choose to phone in and join our conversation. And if you indeed decide to do that today, the number is 1-888-346-9141. That's one way. Another way may be to sit with some of the things that you hear on the show, reflect on them, let them simmer in the pot over the week, and send me an email with what you're noticing, what you're learning, or what questions you have. Whatever way you choose to engage, this show is for all of us. And so I'm, I'm trying something a little bit different today. I'm trying, instead of trying to be a host of a radio show and do it the way that hosts are supposed to, I've decided I'm just going to be myself. And myself is someone who loves to be in a deeper conversation with another human being. And the human being who I've enjoyed and invited to join me today is my dear friend, Andrew Bennett. Now, you might have read his bio if you looked on the the show page and looked at the e-card that we sent out. You might have come to the show because you already know him, or maybe you've come just because you're curious. Here's what I want you to know about Andrew. I met him about three years ago. We were involved in some work together where we, we worked for the same organization. And I immediately, in the first conversation that we had one-on-one, knew that I had met a soulmate, a kindred spirit, someone with it with whom I could create magic, with whom we could create magic together. And indeed, Andrew's business is the magic of Andrew Bennett. Andrew is a dear friend, a consummate professional, delightful human being, and I am so happy to welcome you here to be with me today, Andrew. Thank you so much, Shamin. It's our conversations always fill my heart, so I'm really happy to be with you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be with you, too. It's just awesome. So I was thinking about um, how we might enter into this conversation, and I thought it would be helpful for you to tell us a little bit more about you, who you are, and why you're here. Well, gosh, that's a big story when you've lived for 52 years. Mm. Um, who am I? Well, I, um, I grew up in uh, northern Michigan, uh, the town of Beulah, Michigan, which had a population of 421 people. And Whoa, 421! Yeah. yeah. Big city. Yeah, it's a very small town. It says, yeah. welcome to Beulah on both sides of the sign. <laughs> because as soon as you're coming into Beulah, you're leaving Beulah. Oh my gosh. That's and great. I grew up on a cherry farm there with my grandparents. My grandparents raised me. 
Mm-hmm. Um, my mother and my sister were killed by a drunk driver when I was three years old. Oh, and my so my father took me to live with my mother's parents, and they ended up raising me. Wow. And uh, they were the single greatest blessing in my life. And um, I had a wonderful childhood and um, grew up and went away to college and um, went to work for Ross Perot at his company, EDS, and kind of climbed the management chain for about 10 years and then uh, started my own leadership and organizational culture consulting and coaching firm and um, have spent my the majority of the last two decades doing that work with companies all over the, the world. And it's through that work that, of course, you and I met. And as you mentioned, um, it's called The Magic of Andrew Bennett because I've also uh, been a magician for 45 years. So uh, I use magic as a metaphor for... Um, the process of transformation, because that's really what magic is all about. And so magic provides a really profound foundation to talk about how we change our lives and how we change our organizations. So as you know, I literally use magic tricks to kind of kickstart a conversation about how we um, transform our lives, how we transform our organizations. So that's a, a nutshell kind of story. I, I think we'll probably get more into it with the topic of hope. My story, um, knowing more about my story is important to that topic, I think. Tell me a little bit more about the link between hope, because hope is the thing that you and I spoke of when we were planning to speak to each other here to share this conversation. Tell me a little bit more about why why is hope so central for you yeah it it is it's it's very central to what i do i kind of consider myself the hope guy <laughs> um and it's because a, a couple of years ago this really became clear to me um i had been doing as i mentioned i'd been doing leadership coaching and organizational culture development projects with really big companies all over the world. And so there was this kind of business, um, I guess, more intellectual approach to organizational change and organizational performance. And I was good at that, but I always was left wanting, uh, particularly when groups asked me to do uh, a speech. I would get asked to do keynote presentations a lot. Mm -hmm. And it was a lot about business and, and, you know, like I said, the, the intellectual side of business and, and change and performance. But a couple of years ago, I guess about three years ago now, I went through a significant kind of shift in my own life, uh, in my own thinking and uh, in my spirit. And I started to look at the totality of my life and and really what what is it all about and i realized i've i've had a lot of uh tragedy a lot of loss in my life beginning as i mentioned with the loss of my 
mother and sister when I was three years old. And um, that kind of uh, history of loss just continued over and over and over throughout the years. And um, it just felt like there's... I've had so much loss, Shameen, that it, it felt like there's some bigger story here. This is this is about more than just surviving mm. through loss. And we hear a lot of people talk about um, surviving and, and getting through it. Um, but I've had so much loss that I looked at it from uh, the perspective of um, there's got to be some really much bigger picture here. And that bigger picture was the magnitude of loss that I've had has really uh, put the spotlight on the value of hope because I lost hope and kind of walked in the darkness for many, many years. And it's, it's almost like our health, when you have it, you take it for granted. And then when something happens, you really suddenly your health jumps to the top of the list and everything else is way down. Yes. And the same thing is true for hope. Um, and when you have it, uh, when you're so impacted as I was by tragedy and loss where you just kind of feel like you're continually getting punched in the stomach, it really exaggerates the um, loss of hope. And... And when I started to look at this big picture of things, I realized that um, hope is so critical. And in my years working in organizations, I think because of what I had gone through, I became kind of hypersensitive to environments and where there was that sense of lost hope. And as you know, because of your work, um, there's a lot of people in organizations who've lost hope. And I think in our, in our world, I think we're suffering from uh, a tremendous deficit in the loss of hope. I just want to take a moment to say, gosh, that's, I mean, you've said it twice now. I lost my mother and my sister when I was three. And we didn't really honor that the first time um, that you said it. And I just want to take a moment here and just honor the, the, beginning, the beginning loss in this string of losses that you talk about. I just want to create a bit of space to honor that you've shared that with us and that you lived through that. Yeah, you know, my grandparents, like I said, were such a tremendous blessing to me. And, and there's a lot of blessings that, that came with losing my mom and sister, um, but there, there also, there's some really kind of deeply ingrained things that happen to a kid who's three years old, who, whose mom doesn't come home. Yes. Um, and then on top of that, when my father took me to live with my mother's parents, uh, my father and my older brother and I lived with my mother's parents for another year. Mm. And then dad met someone and remarried, and he took my older brother, and they went off and started a new family. And I stayed behind with my grandparents, um, and like I said, they they raised me. And I'd like to believe I really didn't have much of a relationship with my father. 
uh, in my life. He just, uh, he just died last year. And we really never had much of a relationship. I would see him on my birthday. I would see him at Christmas and occasionally bump into him in town. You know, we lived in this town of 421 people. He lived in the same town. Mm-hmm. But um, he really wasn't uh, a part of my life. And so in, by the time I was four years old, I basically had lost my mother and my father. Wow. And, wow. Um, you know, my grandparents were wonderful people. I've had a really good life. I've had a, I've had a lot of high highs and I've had a lot of low lows. Yes. And, um, you know, no matter how good my grandparents were, my, um, the loss of, of one's parents before you're age four, has a significant psychological impact on you. And we are so still egocentric um, at, that, at that early age. I mean, you cry and someone feeds you. You cry yes. and someone changes your diaper. Yes. You know, you're led to believe that the world is at your beck and call. And, yeah. And so you think that everything, you know, you make everything happen. Yes. And so the, the way that a child interprets parents going away is they did something. Right. There's a reason that mom never came home. Yes. There's a reason that dad didn't want me, and it's me. Yeah. There's something wrong with me. And that just gets kind of integrated. Mm. And so a lot of my challenges in life have been from feeling uh, like I'm, no one wants me. Yeah. I'm not valuable, and uh, rejection is just around the corner. Um, wow. Yeah. So my grandparents raised me, and Grandpa's the one that got me interested in magic, and he was my, uh, my writer, he was my agent, he was my chauffeur. Uh, he was a banker in our hometown, and... He would brag to people in town about me, and they'd say, well, you know, you think Andy would like to do a show at the church t- chicken dinner this weekend? And <laughs> so I, you know, I would do magic shows in the basement of the church and the Masonic Temple and Wonderful. the Grange Hall and all of these places. And so Grandpa was a, a big part of, I still use jokes that my grandpa wrote. You know, I would love to hear a joke if you would if you would share one with us. And we need to go to a break for a moment. So, will you over the break? Will you think of something to share with us uh, afterwards? And I know thank just you so the one. good, good. Thank you so much for sharing what you've shared so far. It's um, it's vulnerable to speak of these times, and I know that it takes it takes courage to speak about it. And I also know that for you, this is um, this is very much a part of how you've shaped into the beautiful human being that you are today. So we're going to take a break from Stories from the Heart of Leadership. I'm Shamin Sadiq, and we're here with Andrew Bennett, and we'll be back in a moment. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio. 
Get ahead in business and life. Read Getting It Done, 1,000 of the best-kept secrets for success in business and life by John Capozzi. Learn how John, a successful Connecticut businessman, obtained 13 corporate promotions in 13 years. This book makes a fantastic gift for anyone who wants to get ahead in business. Voice America will donate a portion of every copy sold to the USO. Visit gettingitdone.com and enter promo code VA1234 at checkout to get a 10% discount. That's gettingitdone.com, promo code VA1234 for a 10% discount today. Boxing, like networking, is a contact sport. The more contacts and connections you make, the greater your success. If you're a business owner, sales agent, or job seeker, it's all about the connection. If you want help in your corner, pick up a copy of Knockout Networking today by speaker and author Michael Goldberg. Michael's book will absolutely help you generate more prospects, more referrals, and more business, or more job leads, or even more social connections. Knockout Networking will help you feel more confident speaking with people you don't know. Determine who your target market is, the best way to introduce yourself at business meetings, how to deliver an elevator pitch, follow-up, and how to generate more leads. Social media isn't always the answer, but Knockout Networking is. Visit KnockoutNetworking.com to pick up your copy of Michael Goldberg's book, Knockout Networking. Remember, nothing happens in business without a connection, so make the right connections. Visit KnockoutNetworking.com today. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio. You are listening to stories from the heart of leadership. If you have a question or comment or just want to find out more about our program, please send Shamin an email. Her email address is shamin at anjaliLeadership.com. That's S-H-A-H-M-E-E-N at A-N-J-A-L-I Leadership.com. Now, back to stories from the heart of leadership. Welcome back. This is Shamin Sadik. I'm your host for Stories from the Heart of Leadership. And I'm here with my friend and colleague, Andrew Bennett, and we're talking about hope. Andrew, before the break, you said that you would share a joke that your grandfather taught you. So, yes, let's go. Let's hear it. Well, it's a real quickie, Shamin. Okay. Uh, the, the joke is, of course, every magician has, we have our magic words. And so during a performance, I'll say, uh, and now I'll say the magic word that we all learned in church. Bingo. <laughs> That's great. That was a joke that my grandpa wrote. They were all clean. You know, at least they were clean. Yeah, I love it. I love it. That's great. Here I was waiting for the abracadabra. Well, that's that's another one. It sure is. So we were talking about loss and loss and hope and how they they kind of uh, two sides of the same coin and go hand in hand and how you've noticed this loss of hope. Tell me a little bit more about some of the... uh, some that you said you've had a lot of loss and tragedy through your life. Hit some of the highlights of what you've lived through for us. Sure. Um, you know, I, I mentioned loss of mother and sister and father. Uh, I talked about the role that my grandparents played. When I was 17, uh, Grandpa committed suicide. Oh, my goodness. And that was devastating because he was somebody who was my hero. He represented success. Um, he was somebody that I thought really had it figured out and was vitally alive. He was funny. He was 
charming. He was kind. He was uh, just everything to me. And he took his life uh, in our barn uh, when I was 17. And uh, so then many years went by, and um, maybe later we can talk about a a turning point for me with my grandfather's loss. But for a 17-year-old boy, that was a formative experience. You know, a 17-year-old boy is ready to step out into the world, and then a hero tells him that, you know, in his actions, that, well, maybe life isn't really worth it. Um, So that was a tremendous loss. Um, In 2000, I built uh, my dream home, and uh, it became infested with toxic mold. I became very ill. I lost 40 pounds. Um, didn't know that it was the house. Finally discovered that it was the house, and uh, the house was condemned. And um, I lost everything that I had invested in it. Went bankrupt. Uh, moved into an apartment that was on the third floor of a three-story apartment building to start over. And um, one afternoon. A thunderstorm rolled through the area. Lightning struck the roof right above my bedroom, started a fire, and eventually the roof collapsed and it destroyed everything uh, that I had materially. So in the course of about three months, I lost everything financially and everything materially. So um, those are kind of the high points of losses. And um, when I tell this story in a speech, usually the people in the first few rows at this point move to the back of the room they want to get away from. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, the impact that it's having over here is it makes me want to move closer to you. And I just, uh, I can feel my, I can feel my heart actually expanding as you talk. I mean, that is so much to deal with and live through. Oh my goodness. Well, the good news is that um, it, it, it's all been a blessing because it's made me realize what's really important in life. And, you know, you're standing outside your home that's been struck by lightning and firefighters are there and everything's gone. And um, you look around and it's the people in your life. My best friend from childhood was there, and another buddy from childhood was there, and um, all my dearest friends and and family were there. And so you really start to realize what's important. And, you know, like I said earlier, um, when you have that amount of loss, and it it took me into a very deep depression, and um, uh, but being in that place and feeling hopeless, um, it really makes you realize how important hope is. And um, working to to become hopeful again just makes you really realize how how important it is, and it gives you perspective for life. Andrew, what? helped you find hope? I mean, after all of that, and then sinking into a depression after that, where did you find it? Well, it was a very powerful um, kind of cosmic experience that I had, Shamine. I went back to the farm in Beulah, Mm. and this was after the fire, 
and um, after I'd lost everything, and I was back there to actually kind of take a little retreat. I stayed at my best friend's father's home and was doing writing and reflecting on my life. When the when the fire happened and I was standing there looking at the apartment and the water spraying up in the air and everything, I just I looked up in the sky and I just laughed and I said, "Okay, you've got my attention." <laughs> and I really did feel like, "Okay, uh all of this stuff has happened to me. Um I don't know if it's happened for a reason, but I do know that I can choose to take that kind of dramatic uh, loss and I can do something with it that will not just help me, but will help a lot of people. So I went up north in Michigan to reflect and I went over to the farm and I knocked on the door and the people who had bought the farm from us, the old guy who had bought it was there and uh, I said, could I walk around the farm? I grew up here and he said, I'll walk around with you. And so we went down, and there's this elm tree on our farm, and it's just a magnificent elm tree. And for anyone who knows anything about the Great Lakes region, uh, elm trees died out completely in the 1960s. Dutch elm disease destroyed them all. Okay. But this tree... Uh, not only lived, but it's magnificent, and it's still there. Wow. Today. When um, we bought that farm and moved there, there was a the the farmer that owned it before us had a bull, and he kept it chained to that tree, and he the bull would walk circles around the tree, and the chain was almost like a chainsaw mm. that dug a trench. Mm. And so when I was when they moved, they cut the chain, but they left it hanging around the tree. And so when I was a kid, this chain was hanging out of the tree, and the tree was literally growing around it. Wow. And so I went down there uh, with the new owner, and we're standing there, and he kind of spread his arms out under the tree, and he said, this is my church. So even he knew there was something very special about this place and this yes. tree. And so I'm looking at the tree, and I remembered that uh, some uh, agronomists from Michigan State University came up to see this tree. The, the, they would come to our farm every summer to do a census of the cherry trees. They'd count mm. the cherry trees. Okay. And they had to walk by this elm tree in order to get to our orchard and they would always walk by the elm tree and say why why is that still alive and so one year they came and they did a core sample they did their analysis and they found out that this elm tree had just an inordinate level of iron huh. and so their theory was that it was the iron that saved the tree so on this return visit, I'm standing there with the old guy, and I'm looking at the tree, and there's literally a scar on this tree. Mm. You can still see it. And behind me is the barn where Grandpa died. And so I'm looking at the tree, the barn's behind me, and it feels like a physical presence behind wow. me. Wow. It's this ominous. I never went back in the barn after he died. Okay. So this barn is behind me, 
and the tree is in front of me, and I'm looking at the scar, and just suddenly there was a switch flipped. And I looked at that, and I said, that scar saved that tree. (laughs) And maybe my scars are what will save me. And not only that, but it saved this tree, and it made it thrive. It made it magnificent. And maybe that's what our suffering is about. Maybe that's what my suffering is about. And it's not just about surviving. It's about thriving. Yes. Yes. That's a distinction that you make that is quite beyond the rhetoric, right? Which is, okay, this, what doesn't kill you will make you stronger and you'll be okay and you'll get over it. You're saying, not only that, I will thrive. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't want to just survive. And, and in fact, I did survive, you know, walking through that dark time in my life. I survived. Yes. I got through it, but it was still, you know, my, bro- my heart was broken. And yes. that day when I looked at that tree, it was suddenly my heart cracked open and it felt like the flame was relit, that flame mm. of hope. Mm. Wow. Wow. And, it, and to me, what I, what I notice is it couldn't have happened had you not survived as well. Like the surviving is part of it. And it's that that took you to that point where you were able to s- somehow make that trip and, and receive that wisdom. For sure. Yeah. I mean, if I wouldn't have just basically survived, I wouldn't have had the opportunity. But I consider that opportunity to make the shift just God's grace. Yes. Yes. Oh, wow. That's powerful. Very powerful. I'm sure we have listeners who have lived through tragedy and and loss, and I certainly have lived through, you know, things that have happened. I, I can't say that I've had a tragedy on some of the levels that you speak of, but I do remember um, just a a series of things that happened to me even recently and I was at a sales training a sales training of all things a training that included a sales component Uh, and I'm kind of afraid of sales sometimes I'm afraid to sell myself or to you know to offer my services sometimes which is it now seems so silly but I realized that I was afraid of a lot of things and there's something about you know when when you when you face all the things that you're afraid of which I faced some things that I was afraid of uh, late last year. I nearly died. Uh, my biggest fear is leaving my my child without a mother, and I almost saw that play out, you know, with me. And he was there. Um, loss of relationship, loss of uh, potential loss of my home with things that were happening. Although everything turned out fine, I thought to myself, and I even said out loud, "I'm not quite sure what's left to be scared of." <laughs> And I feel like okay. there's your story and my story, there, there's a parallel. The dimension and the magnitude is different of the, of the different details. But there's a, there's a way in which all of this stuff that happens is, uh, is like our, we're confronted with like the very worst that could ever happen. And sometimes it happens. Mm-hmm. And what I see you having done is, is received um, the awareness that that's part of who you are and what is shaping you yeah like i said i consider myself the the hope guy because the the story is very dramatic and 
tragic. And, you know, like I said, though, there's been a lot of really great things along the way. But um, just because other people's stories aren't as dramatic or um, traumatic, it, it doesn't mean it's all relative. I mean, yes. our suffering is our suffering. Yes. And I think one of the things that I feel is a tremendous gift uh, to the degree that it feels like a responsibility to me is um, that because mine has been so dramatic, it's really shined a spotlight on this issue of hope and the importance of hope and, and hopelessness. And for people that haven't had the dramatic uh, kind of shaking up of hope, um, I think there's a lot of people who are living, going back to the earlier use of the word surviving, um, they're surviving with a, a low-grade sense of hopelessness. Not to sound, um, you know, I, I don't want to sound dire because my outlook on life is is wonderful, but I, I do have to say that I think there's a lot of people, I spend most of my life in organizations, and I think there's a lot of people out there who are suffering from low-grade hopelessness and in the absence of something dramatic to get their attention, they're just like the proverbial frog in the pot of water that's slowly boiling to death. And yeah. um, so the gift for me, I think the, the gift that I've been given is uh, a dramatic spotlight on hope to show people just how important it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that when we come back from the break. I want to start talking about how do we build hope? How do we inspire and infuse hope into uh, the people that we work with and ourselves? And um, that's where we're headed after the break. So we'll, we'll be back. Uh, more stories from the heart of leadership in a moment. Great. Making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. What does success mean to you? Is it being just like the person on the other side of the fence where the grass is supposedly greener? We harbor too many feelings of envy and suppressed anger targeted at others, and it's holding us back from our success. Tune in to Wealthy Thoughts with Richard Levy. Just by listening, you'll be empowered to make positive lifestyle changes to live the successful life that you deserve to live. Wealthy Thoughts can be heard every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Hi, I'm Ed Krell, CEO of Destination Maternity. We proudly support the March of Dimes work to reduce the rate of premature birth. The numbers have gone down in the past five years, but still, nearly half a million babies are born too soon in the United States each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs to help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit MarchofDimes.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. 
plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio. You are listening to Stories from the Heart of Leadership. If you have a question or comment or just want to find out more about our program, please send Shamin an email. Her email address is shameen at anjaliLeadership.com. That's S-H-A-H-M-E-E-N at A-N-J-A-L-I Leadership.com. Now, back to stories from the heart of leadership. Welcome back. I'm Shameen Sadiq, your host on Stories from the Heart of Leadership. And I'm here with Andrew Bennett, and we're talking about hope. So, Andrew... Your work now is about sharing your story and using it as a vehicle for being the hope guy, cultivating more hope, inspiring and infusing people with hope. Let's talk more about, and, and I do that too. I haven't framed it in that way, but I know that that's a, that's a side benefit of the work that I do as well. Let's have a conversation together about how we do that. Tell me, start with you. How, how do you actually take this and, and use it with folks? Well, I think the pressures of this world that we live in, and most of my work is in businesses and publicly traded businesses that are under pressure to perform financially and to meet goals and to all the the traditional business kinds of things. And so I think those pressures are more intense than ever. They're just always there. And so the need to be nose to the grindstone and reacting a lot to the world that's changing more and more quickly and becoming more and more complex. I mean, just the demands of the world are so much that um, we're doing, and we lose sight of the important value that hope has in fueling an organization's creativity in fueling the energy that is required to um, act and take right action to work on the right priorities. Um, And we're missing, just from a human perspective, the beautiful opportunity to be connected with the value of our work in making life better for our fellow human beings. So it's got hope has practical value it has it makes life personally rewarding and it also gets forgotten and not valued because we're in a world that demands so much of it from us in the moment you know i'm just reflecting on some conversations that i've had with clients even if i just look at the last day or the last week um what I notice is exactly, as you say, there's this escalating pace and complexity that people are trying to navigate through. And in many ways, we rely on some of the old behaviors that have served us in the past. So some people would be very uh, nice, you know, and, and friendly, but but then get 
railroaded and have meetings expand beyond 15 minutes to two hours and, and not be able to bring things to a close. Uh, people who are very driven and, you know, want to get things perfect and do them right are, are struggling because um, they simply can't do everything themselves and they're burning out left, right, and center. What's the thing that has them, I mean, it's great. I, I get that talking about hope and telling a story of hope. What's your experience of instilling that into them so that they can actually navigate with more ease? Well, I, I think, and this is one of the reasons that sharing my story is so important to me. I didn't start sharing all this personal stuff um, with people until about three years ago. Mm. And um, there were a lot of reasons for that. But I started telling my story, and um, it opens people's hearts. Um, when we hear about other people's suffering, it um, connects us for one thing. It makes us feel connected and like we belong, which I think is a human, a, you know, a real deep human need that we all have. But it also um, gives people, um, I don't know if it's permission, but it helps people feel like um, it's okay to, uh, to, to suffer. And I think even more important than that is um, I want I want to feel hopeful about life. So I, I guess what I want to say is, in helping other people connect to this idea of hope, it's it's making it personal. You know, so when I work with leaders, one of the first things I ask them is, um, what inspires you about this company, mm-hmm. and what inspires you about your work? How how does this company and how does the work you do make life better? For most Can, people, they've never asked that question. It's a, but such when a, they think about it for a minute, you can see something shift in their whole demeanor, like the way they're sitting in their chair, something about the, the glow that, that they have. Um, they shift, and, and when they start to think about, wow, what I do helps other people in their lives. And it connects us with something way more um, heartwarming, more valuable than just having a job and, and just meeting the numbers. So yeah. I think my approach to it always starts with a very personal, you know, with leaders getting them connected to what makes them hopeful, what makes them excited to be alive about their work. And, and oftentimes that can enable them to do that with the rest of their organization. Um, and oftentimes it creates a shift in the way they are thinking about the business. If we take this and now deepen it by talking about you and me, uh, what's your vision? Because what you're really talking about here is vision. You're connecting people back to a vision or something that drew them in or an inspiration that drew them in that often with the daily grind. I mean, I notice it here. I'm so busy. Sometimes I forget why I'm doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. What is that for you? What, what's the for the sake of what for you mm. in all of this? Well, to be honest, um, 
you know, to be transparent, it's spiritual for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that every human being has a divine spark that, you know, whatever you want to call it, um, we, you know, I think in general we're okay with calling it the human spirit. We, we know when we say that word, we know what that means. Um, we know it when we watch a movie that touches us. The movies that kind of um, receive wide acclaim and that are very successful in the mainstream are usually movies that have an uplifting story that um, revives our um, our trust in the human spirit, our faith, our belief, our um, the beauty of the human spirit. And so that's what it's about for me is um, I feel like there's a, a real, um, what, we, we've lost a lot of our human spirit in this world that we live in now. And so my sense of mission is about helping people feel joyful about themselves and their lives and their families and their work. Mm-hmm. Work, because I've spent 30 years in the business world, work is an important kind of, I don't know, foundation or vehicle for me because I think our work can be a place for our spirit to grow or, you know, we all have seen plenty of organizations where it sucks the life out of you and we're spending at least 40 hours a week in our jobs and I I just, it breaks my heart to think about people putting their quote-unquote real life on hold for 40 hours a week. I think we can um, work in places where our spirit um, thrives, and it makes for a thriving organization, so everybody wins. You know, what I'm really enjoying is how your gift is a reflection of your life and your desire for others. So, so the gift in you is this gift of not only did you survive all of this loss, but you've thrived and you continue to thrive. And I think of you, when I think of you, I th- I'll always think of that tree now. I'll think mm-hmm. of that tree and it's all, it's glorious beauty thriving when, you know, a- anyone who heard the story would think for sure that tree wouldn't make it, right? All mm-hmm. the other trees died, the disease wiped it out. Uh, and and with all the loss that you've experienced, I'm sure many people would think that's not possible. That's not survivable, let alone thrivable. And your thriving is the is the wish that you have for others, and the thing that you put into practice every day. That is exactly it, Shamine. That is exactly it. That's what I want for everybody: is to feel that um, the power of their spirit of the the goodness that we are deep down inside and you know the thing about the tree i'll have to show you a picture of it because the tree um stands over the barn and you can't even see the barn anymore and that's so symbolic for me because it, the tree represents hope and thriving yes the barn represents the the dark hopelessness and and the thriving just so overshadows it i mean literally in the case of the tree yes so i do want that i i've been so blessed um 
being able to, to go through all of this stuff and come out of it um, more joyful and hopeful about life than ever. And that's, that's what I want for everybody. That's beautiful. That is so beautiful. Ah, thank you so much for sharing your story, your vision, yourself with us here today. Um, what a blessing you are. Well, thank you for asking me to share it, Shamine. Here's what I want for you, listeners, those of you who are, who are listening to this, this conversation. Um, my invitation to you is to reflect on hope for yourself. And exactly in the way that Andrew has talked about it, not only about surviving, but thriving. Maybe it's surviving. We know that that's a stage and a, and a step along the way. So if, you're, if hope for you is about surviving, then let it be about that. And for those of you who have survived or are surviving, um, what hope do you have for thriving? Or how will hope from this conversation help you to thrive? That's what I want you to think about. And let that simmer in the pot over the week. If you have any feedback or comments or noticings that you'd like to share with me, please do so at AnjaliLeadership.com. That's uh, Shamin, S-H-A-H-M-E-E-N, at AnjaliLeadership.com, A-N-J-A-L-I, Leadership.com. And I'll read what you have written at the beginning of next week's show. So, this is Shabin Sadik, Stories from the Heart of Leadership. You were joined today by Andrew Bennett, and we talked about hope. What's on tap for next week? Well, my spirit mother, Linda Sadik, will be joining me, and we will be talking about no coincidences. So, we have that to look forward to for next time. Thank you so much for joining us here today, and I look forward to the next time we meet. Take care. Thank you so much for joining us today for Stories from the Heart of Leadership. Shamin Sadik will be back next Monday with another extraordinary guest at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We hope you'll come back as well. Have a terrific week. And remember, you are not alone. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.